0: Okay, hello everyone, and welcome to what is now episode four of Meditations. So um, I feel like every episode I've talked about that the title of the show is inspired by Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. now uh, a little hello embarrassing, but I have not read Meditations in its, I guess, like, in its full yet. I definitely have the intention to do it. I've been meaning to read Marcus Aurelius's Meditation since like summer of my junior year. Yeah, yeah, that's when I picked up reading again. Uh, the Dallas Public Library, however, hates me and everyone loves Marcus Aurelius um, because I was on a long ass waiting list for it. And then by the time that it finally got to me, it was time for me to like leave to New Hampshire for college. And so I never got to borrow it and then I realized I could borrow it here and then they had like eight different copies of Meditations here because of course Dartmouth has that. Um, So yeah, I finally got my hands on a copy and I thought it'd be fun if we did a little, I guess, media exploration and we just talked about um, the first five books because that's all I've gotten through so far. Okay, so uh, I'm pretty sure I've talked about what Meditations is. Um, I call it the world's first diary, but after reading a little bit more of it, I think it's more of like the world's first self-help book. Uh, Think like Marie Kondo type B. Um, Yeah, that's the Roman emperor Marcus Aurelius. He was a little history on him. He was considered one of the five great emperors. The philosophy, I guess, school of thought that he subscribed to was stoicism, and so in my opinion i'm i'm not a historian this is like completely unfounded opinion but in my opinion he was really hard on himself all of the time and so everything that he did in his life he thought that he could have done better and so uh he would go into his chamber at night and he would talk to his scribe and he would just like i'm picturing him pacing around in like roman garb and he would just like talk out loud and the scribe would write down everything that he said and then uh all of these thoughts were like compiled into this book that became meditations um and it wasn't ever supposed to see the light of day like he wrote this for himself, and it was kind of like a how-to guide. He never got into, like, I guess his daily chores, really. None of, like, his personal epics made it into the book itself. It's more of, like, an advice thing. I've read The Prince by Machiavelli. It kind of has that kind of energy, but where the prince tells you how to become a dictator and a tyrant. Meditations is more about how to become, it's not really how to become anything. It's more of, like, how to find content in your life, um, So yeah, okay, let's get into it. So book one, Marcus Serialis is a major suck up. Uh, It's Book one is basically a glorified thank you card. I thought that the funniest person that he thanked were the gods. He thanks the gods. He says, you know, thank you for this intellect that you've given me. I'm also thankful that I did not get obsessed with philosophy and I didn't lose my mind. And you can think about like... um, Socrates arguably lost his mind to philosophy, like, he was very rigid in his ethics, and he ended up dead, so, you know, I guess Marcus Aurelius does have something to thank for, uh, not becoming obsessed with philosophy. Okay, so book two. Um, Oh, yeah, a big major, like, theme that uh, Aurelius brings up throughout meditations is the idea that nothing is eternal, and so... I'm sure like this has been repackaged in a lot of like pseudo meditation, like actual meditations um, things. But it's basically the idea that like nothing about you is eternal. You're in a skin suit. And so um, when you think about the air that you breathe, the air flows in continuously and then it flows out. So from one moment to the next, you're not comprised of the same things. Right. Because it's all a different Um, I guess, segment of the air that, like, you've taken in and then that you've expelled. And so you're constantly, like, on a campaign of, like, reinvention because you're taking in air, expelling it. It's never the same. So you're not the same person. Um, Yeah, you're always changing. And he has a quote where he says, give yourself a quiet to learn something good and cease to wander out of your course. Yes, it's screaming self-help, but it's also, I mean, okay, first let's break down what the quote is saying, right? Um, So give yourself a time of quiet. So um, in life, especially at Dartmouth, it can feel like you're on a hamster wheel kind of system, right? You're running from one class to the next, one club meeting to the next, you're writing this, doing this interview. Um, And so it can feel like you're just on a very rigid schedule and maybe you don't have autonomy over how you spend your time anymore. And so when Aurelia says, give yourself a time of quiet, it reminds me of like that really cringy quote. That's like, you make time for the things that matter. And I think that's something that I'm learning a lot. Like, just having faster meals or like showering faster or something just so I can like give myself more of a leeway before I go to bed so I can give myself quiet time and I keep meaning to like read for leisure like you know obviously get all my class readings out of the way but also have time to like read things that I personally want to read and so my time of quiet lately has been like Peeing in the morning, and I do the New York Times like crossword mini. It's just like a minute of my time, but honestly, it feels good to just I don't know do something because you want to do it. Um, so yeah, I am really living Aurelius's dream out here. Okay, so yeah, he says give yourself a time of quiet to learn something new, and then I guess learning something new is just like reading, you know, whatever's going on in the world, current events moment, or reading like, for leisure, I have an entire, like, lineup of nonfiction books that I want to get through. Um, Also, I guess my quiet time is also, like, doing my makeup in the morning, and then I'll have the Lex Fridman podcast going in the background. He always has the most interesting people on. I always forget their names, but the one that I was listening to this morning was um, a humanitarian rights, like, lawyer, and he's talking about Bitcoin, and he says that, like, whenever you think about social justice, it's often, like, independent of, like, monetary, I guess, whatever goes on with money, right? And so he says that, like, as long as, like... uh the global economy is op- operating under the U.S. dollar, then, like, there's going to be this idea of, like, the U.S. trying to intervene and, like, impose itself on other countries. And so that's why he's, like, a big proponent of Bitcoin because it's decentralized and there's no government and... or not no government, but, like, no government benefits from Bitcoin. And so, yeah, it's, like, decentralization is its main method of, like, power. And, like, it... I guess, is sort of supposed to, like, equalize the playing field. Um, okay, yeah, that's a tangent. Anyways, I love that podcast. They are always talking about something interesting. Um, and so, yeah, that that's my time of quiet to learn something new because I definitely do not know enough about Bitcoin. Um, eh, yeah, yeah, I'll say I don't know enough. Um, so, yeah, just, like, giving yourself a time of quiet to learn something new. Um, okay, some new good thing. And then this part I think is really important. Cease to wander out of your course. And <clears throat> a lot of times like your course could be, I guess, like like your daily to-do list. That's one way of looking at your course. But like if I guess you were to zoom out, get a little bird's eye view, um, you can see your course as something bigger than that. So your course could be like your purpose on this earth, which, you know, no one knows what the heck they're doing. But I think everyone's purpose, it's all a little bit different. But I think the one thing that unites it is like you want to do some good in the world. And whatever good you do in the world, you want to play on your strengths. And so I think by like, cease to wander from your course is like, keep your motivations, like very clear to yourself and keep your goals and you know everything you want to accomplish very clear to yourself um and just i don't know try try to get those things done in your daily life or like chip away at it i guess um okay yeah uh then we move on to book three um life is being spent and the smaller balance remaining okay so his first point um okay a lot of this, honestly, to me, reading it back is kind of cringe because I've heard this stuff my whole life. However, I will grant Mr. Marcus Aurelius the benefit of the doubt. And like this stuff must have been groundbreaking to him um, because he's I'm not saying he's like the originator of any of this, but like it wasn't as like uh as, like, proliferated as it is now, right? So he was, like, one of the only people on Earth at this time thinking these things. So Marcus Aurelius was pretty deep. Um, Okay, yeah. But he's basically saying that, like, as you go throughout your day, you are, like, not wasting, but I guess, like, spending your life's moments, right? So your time is limited, and then you're spending it. And then I think it's really interesting the way that he, like, contextualizes life going by because he puts it in terms of money right and so life is being spent you're giving it up it's a transaction you're giving up time of your life for like experiences and then the second part of the quote and the smaller balance remaining and then um obviously um Marcus Aurelius was not aware of the wonders of online baking but I think Whenever I'm nervous that I've spent too much time, like I run to my little Bank of America app and I'm like, what is the balance? Let me see the transactions. And so the idea of seeing like a balance, um, I guess like an app, a little bank app to see how much of your life is remaining. And it's like constantly going down and you see like your balance is 89, 89 years is kind of a lot. okay. Let's be more realistic here. Your balance is 64 years and 32 or 32 days. Yeah. Or something like that. Right. Wouldn't that be so trippy and like terrifying. Um, but yeah, I just, I thought it was an interesting way to like think about life going by, um, this Marcus Aurelius guy, pretty interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then his next point, he says that the mind decays and once you lose your mind, you lose everything. Um, I mean, I don't know what makes life interesting, right? It's, like, the constant narration you have going on in your head, the little thoughts that will pop into your head. And so as you get older, your mind will decline, whether it's, like, just, like, naturally. Like, when you get older, you're just a little bit slower in terms of, like, cognitive reflexes maybe. Um, But then there's also, like, the threat of, like, Alzheimer's and, like, all these other things that, like, mess with the way that you think. And so... um, You know, arguably, a person is what they think. And so once you lose your mind, then you're kind of not yourself anymore. And so um, I guess with him saying that, he's just trying to say, like, value your mind and value the person that you are, because, um, like, it's constantly changing. And, you know, his whole idea of, like, there, there will be a smaller balance remaining. You have a smaller, limited amount of time with your mind after, like, you reach a certain life point. Okay, yeah. So this makes it seem like Marcus Aurelius hates old people. And he doesn't. Um, I think, I don't know if this is like irregular on my part, but I have like a semi huge fear of aging. I turned 19 this year. It freaked me out. Also the thought that like, this is my last year being a teenager. And then I hit the terrible 20s. Um, that's terrifying. I feel like I haven't aged since I was 14, which is a little bit messed up. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think some people maybe like, mm, going to spitball some statistics out here. Maybe like a third of like 19 year olds are terrified of aging. I don't know, man. But anyways, um, yeah, I'm terrified of aging, but as I was reading What Marcus Aurelius had to say about aging, it was honestly comforting um, because his like consensus is like aging is good. Um, Now that sounds kind of weird, but he just says that like the way that you go into the world, if you know that your time here is limited, then the way that you look at things is very critical and you're trying to like absorb every fact of everything. And so he says that like someone who I guess, has, like, virtue and, like, stability in their life, they will look at the jaws of a lion and see the same beauty that someone else sees in a sunset because you have a very, like, critical eye. And so your eye can, like, recognize the value in like, the colors of, like, the, I don't know, lion's jaws or something or and also, like, the color and splendor of, like, the sun going down and, like, the peacefulness of that. But you can basically like a critical eye will see beauty in all things. And so he talks about like um, like when a baker bakes bread, the bread will inevitably, as it's in the oven, it'll crack. And that's sort of a sign of imperfection because I don't know if bakers try to do this. Maybe they try to like avoid, um, avoid cracks in their bread um, because it's a sign of imperfection. Um, however, when you're looking at that crack in the bread, it's appetizing, it's stimulating to the eye, and it's beautiful. And Marcus Aurelius posits that it's beautiful because it's in accordance with nature. And so you put X, Y, Z ingredients. How do I not know the ingredients that go into making bread? Um, let me spitball. Maybe like flour, eggs, yeast? There is definitely yeast in bread. Um, yeah, that's that's my recipe for bread. Um, water. Man, I cannot survive. Okay, anyways, point is, um, the bread isn't perfect, but because it's not perfect, and because it has those cracks in it, it's very appetizing, and you can find beauty in it, and that's sort of like, uh, I hope I wrote it down. Yes, I did. Okay, I thought this was so beautiful. So um, Marcus Aurelius wrote, enabled to see in an old woman or an old man a kind of freshness and bloom and i i think i read a fair amount and i don't think i've ever seen like old people described with those two words freshness and bloom like you definitely think of like a young woman like blooming or like i don't know people who like are pre-puberty or once they get to puberty it's like oh they're blooming you're blossoming into quite a young lady or whatever i don't know that sounds kind of creepy but point is like you see that imagery and it like has the connotation of someone who's young, someone who's 13, 14, you know, they're coming into their own and you never see old people described that way. And so the fact that Marcus Aurelius like will call an old woman, like, you know, he'll say that she's blooming. I thought that was really beautiful because at every stage in your life, like the thing with the air, you're not the same person that you were before. And so at every stage in this person's life, like they're, accumulating new experiences and arguably like the more experiences you have like the more value you have to contribute and that can be i guess a way of like assigning freshness and bloom and like just what you have to contribute so i don't know i, I thought that was pretty beautiful okay now on to like marcus aurelius's hot takes i don't think it's a hot take but like it's just it's weird advice um so he says Basically, like you shouldn't waste your time judging or thinking poorly of others, which, like, yeah, I think most people would agree. But, like, his motivation for not wanting to think poorly of others is so weird. So, basically, he's arguing that you should train your mind to always be curious, always thinking about something in nature, wondering about, like, how it works or something like that. Um, And he says that you should train your mind to do that as opposed to, like, thinking poorly of others. You should go out of your way to be curious about nature. His motivation for that is like, if someone ever asks you what's on your mind, what are you thinking about? Marcus Aurelius, he does not want to be caught off guard. He wants to have something interesting to say, a bit of an attention whore, if I do say so myself. Um, but yeah, Marcus Aurelius is basically like, you should always be curious because then you'll always have something interesting to say. Um, yeah. Oh, you know what? Is this a quote? Oh, no, no, no. Wait. Yeah. So I just wrote, you'd have something interesting to say and never think about what others are doing. OK. And then I thought this was, again, screaming self-help, but also maybe self-help that people need. Um, so he says that, like, when you're more concentrated on, like, your daily course and you're not spending time thinking about other people, it says his work he will make perfect. His lot, he is convinced, is good. And I think, I mean, this is not a hot take by any means. Definitely, like, popular, and it should be popular, um, the belief that, like, comparison is the root of all unhappiness. And so, um, you know, if you're not thinking about other people, like Marcus Aurelius is saying to do, then then you're not comparing yourself to them. And if you're not comparing yourself to anyone, then you'll be convinced that your lot is good. And I think that's been, like, I guess secret weapon is a weird word. What's the word for it? Like, I guess um, the way that, like, I'm content with a lot of things that I do in my life. Like, I never, I like to never compare grades. I've never been, like, the SAT score, like, let's compare kind of person. Even in sports, honestly, I was shit at volleyball. But, like, I did it for seven years because it made me happy. It was, like, physical activity. I like getting a surf over once in a blue moon. And so I think in a lot of aspects of my life, I've been convinced that my lot is good, even when like, objectively, maybe my lot isn't good. Um, but like, the, the key to happiness, take note, um, the key to happiness is like self deception, and just like telling yourself that your lot is good, even when objectively, it might not be good. Um, is that a hot take? I think the self-deception part is definitely a hot take. I think the regular part is um, is just like not comparing yourself to others, which, you know, a lot of people say and a lot of people are right. That's the wisdom of crowds. Um, okay, yeah, back to Marcus Aurelius. Um, he says that you should never act selfishly, but he puts a caveat on this. And so the caveat is don't act selfishly without self-examining. And so the the trippy thing about meditations is that, like, it's numbered. And sometimes a number will go on for, like, a page and a half. Or sometimes a number will just be, like, two lines. And so each number is supposed to be, like, a different thought that he had going into his head. And this thought, he leaves it pretty ambiguous. Like, it's up to the reader, I guess. Or I guess he never intended on having readers. So it's up to however he was feeling reading it back. Um, but basically, it's like, for me, at least, because it's so vague, it almost insinuates that you can act selfishly if your motivation is, like, virtuous or it's to do some good in the world. But I guess then, like, it can't be selfish. I don't know. I just, I remember thinking that it was interesting that he puts the caveat of, like, you must self-examine. So, like, really think about your motivations. Um, okay, yeah, another quote. Never value what will force you to abandon self-respect. Oh, man, I think, okay, I don't think Marcus Aurelius was out here trying to give love advice, but like this immediately when I saw this, I took note and then I wrote right next to it. I was like Taylor Swift's illicit affairs. Um, If you're not familiar with Taylor Swift's illicit affairs, um, the song is basically about a sneaky link, I guess. Um, It's, like it has this lyric and it's like, make sure nobody sees you leave, Hood over your head, keep your eyes down. Um, and it's basically because she's like sneaking out and lying to her friends, um, to meet up with this guy who like, I guess isn't good for her. And so what Marcus Aurelius would have said to Taylor Swift was never value what will force you to abandon self-respect. And so I think, you know, that can go for like love, I guess. Um, don't lose your self-respect in chasing someone because at the end of the day, like all you have is your self-respect and what you think of yourself. And so if, you know, chasing someone or something makes you value yourself less, then like in the end, it's not going to be worth it. Especially if like in illicit affairs, you don't end up even getting the guy. So embarrassing, bestie. Marcus Elias would not be on board. Um, So yeah, just like don't, Don't love something so much that it makes you lose respect for yourself. Um, Okay, and then this is a little bit similar, but I thought it kind of, like, brought the point to home. Um, Marcus Aurelius says, never covet anything that calls for coverings to conceal it. And so you could think about the way that, like, Goldman Sachs, like, finance bros, that they covet money right? And that's like their ultimate motivation in life. And then, um, you know, eventually, if you're like committing tax evasion or tax fraud, that money that you so covet will call for itself to be concealed, because you can't like, openly enjoy it. And so I guess Marcus Aurelius is saying, like, if you can't openly have it, if there's if it's if the thing that you covet is a source of shame, then like, you're doing it wrong. You're doing this life thing wrong. Um, and so again, I guess you can apply that to like your romantic misadventures. Um, if you're coveting, Ooh, let's talk about adultery. (laughs) Let's say you're coveting someone who's in a relationship or maybe you've been on like the cheating spectrum, I guess, and you covet it because it's valuable to you, but you know, it does call for itself to be concealed. Then like, it's an added pressure. It's an added thing that like, you know, erodes your self-respect. So I guess Marcus Aurelius is saying like, don't bother with things like that, because in the end, it just makes you feel awful about yourself. And all that you have is like the way that you think of yourself. Okay, yeah. Um, Oh, I thought this was a sad little quote. I don't know. He says, um, little the life each lives, little the corner of the earth he lives in. And I guess, like, a big theme in meditations, too, is, like, the minuteness of life. And so, honestly, did Marcus Aurelius know that the world wasn't flat? Like, did he know that there was, no, he couldn't have. So, wow, he was, like, like, keep in mind, this is, like, a Roman emperor who's having all of these thoughts. He's, like, the leader of, like, Arguably like, you know, what dominated the entire world or like the known world. And so you have to remember that like Marcus Aurelius's world was a lot smaller than ours, right? So like for example, we know like there are seven continents and like these giant ass oceans, and then even outside of us we have like all these planets surrounding us and like you can fit like, what is it like a thousand earths in the sun? Don't quote me on this. I took one astronomy class in middle school, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like we understand. Well, Okay, we try to, like, numerically, like, quantitatively represent how small and minute we are. But, like, that's because of all, like, the innovations in science and technology. Whereas, like, Marcus Aurelius didn't have this stuff. Like, he really could have deluded himself into thinking that, like, he was essentially God because he's a Roman emperor. The Roman Empire was, like, ginormous. It, like, held dominion over everything he could see. And so you have to remember that, like, This man who held so much power, at the same time, he recognized how small he was. And so, I don't know, that makes me realize, like, damn, I I am tiny. I am minuscule in the grand scheme of things. Um, Okay, so, yeah, the minuteness, it reminds, oh, this is kind of a silly thought, but just, like, the part about, like, the little, the corner he holds in his life. Quote part of it, um, it reminded me of an ant farm and like just how like the little ants are so tiny and like this little box, but to them it's like everything they know. And they're just scurrying around trying to like accomplish their little tasks every day. And they're not, I guess, concerned with like their significance or what their purpose is because they don't don't have to question what their purpose is. Their purpose is to like, you know, build their little ant colony and, you know, have relationships with each other. I don't know, Um, yeah. So then he also makes this comparison that I thought was interesting. He talks about, like, the tools that we use. And so he says that, like, doctors are to scapels as emperors are to their doctrine. Um, and their doctrine being what they believe in. And like I said earlier, um, Marcus Aurelius was a Stoic. And so that would have been his doctrine. That was his equivalent of a scaple. Um Okay. And then I wrote, oh, this is funny. So my preconceived like notion going into this was that I thought Marcus Aurelius's meditations was like the first diary ever. But apparently Marcus Aurelius hates diaries. Um, He says, do not wander from your path any longer, for you are not likely to read your notebook or your deeds. And so with that quote, he's essentially saying like, you don't need to catalog everything you do in your life. Because, one, it's a waste of time because it's in the past, right? Um, it's like a previous version of yourself, a beta version. Um, and so he says that, like, you just need to focus on accomplishing your purpose, your goal, what good you want to accomplish in the universe. Like, don't bother writing any of this down. Um, I, feel, I thought that me and Marcus would be like besties, but considering I have 11 diaries to date, I don't know if we're seeing eye to eye. Okay. Yeah, so then we move on to book four. Um, Marcus Aurelius hates vacation homes. He does simply not believe in taking a break. He says, um, men look for retreats for themselves, the country, the seashore, the hills. Yet this is very unlike a philosopher when you may at any hour you please retract into yourself. For nowhere does a man retreat into more quiet or more privacy than his own mind. Um, Yeah, he's basically saying like, why do you have hobbies? Why do you you seek comfort in other things, um, like a vacation home? So you know how like people often say like, oh, I just want to get away from it all. And like, they'll go camping or go out to the woods or something, right? And then Marcus Aurelius is like, you're a fool. Why would you do that when you can just retreat into your mind? It's giving Marcus Aurelius had some kind of mental illness (laughs) in like multiple personalities. He just like retreats into his mind to like talk to, I don't know, different versions of himself. Um, But I guess in a way, like, again, this is like the world's first self-help book. And so it goes back to like that, like eternal piece of advice that's like, um, don't run away from your problems, right? Face them. Except Marcus Aurelius isn't really telling you to face your problems. He's really just saying, like, retreat into yourself. It's okay to be a recluse. It's okay to, uh, yeah, just, like, live within yourself. Um, But I will say I think this is pretty valuable advice. Um, I think it's, like, a common experience for everyone's um, first few weeks, maybe months at college to be, like, a very isolating, lonely time. Because, I mean, you've spent, like, you know, your whole life living in whatever state you lived in, you know, getting all of these friends who you tend to know very well. And then, I guess in my case, you're just, like, thrown into another state. Like, what the hell am I doing in New Hampshire? I forget that I'm here sometimes. Um, But anyways, yeah. And then you're, like, forced to meet, like, like, you have no piece of home with you. Like, you are all on your own. And so you're forced to, like, meet all these people. And I don't know. I just, I remember... Fallapalooza, like the end of the night was definitely good for me and I had a great time. But I think the beginning of the night, I just like I didn't set anyone to go to the concert with. Like I just thought, oh, I'll see people, and I'm definitely not a reach out kind of person. And so when I got there, I just I wasn't really near my friends. Also, like the crowds were insane, and so I kind of got pushed into like this crowd of girls who I didn't really know and then um, whatever social house or the opener was performing and I was like damn in this sea of people I am so lonely which like okay yeah 2012 tumblr is coming for me I know that's like a really cringe and trite quote but I don't know I just it was one of the most lonely moments I've ever had in my life and then um, as whatever they're performing and the music is really loud I was like nobody cares that I'm lonely right now. Like I'm sure there's other people in the crowd who feel really lonely. And I I think the thought that like, nobody cares that I'm lonely. Nobody knows that I'm lonely. I'm only lonely because I'm telling myself that I'm lonely, but I could just as easily as I'm convincing myself that I'm lonely. I can also like convince myself that I love this music and I love dancing with strangers and I'm fine. No thought head empty. And so I just, I didn't want to feel awful anymore. And so I just like pushed all of those lonely thoughts out of mind. And then I just kind of danced to the music. And it was a good little like escape into myself because, you know, when I'm in the crowd and when I recognize that I'm in the crowd, I feel lonely. But when I retreat into my mind and I'm just like, I'm just here by myself enjoying the music dancing, I'm like, oh my gosh, suddenly she's not lonely. um So yeah. I think me and Marcus Aurelius might be on the same page there. However, I do enjoy a good cabin. I do enjoy a good vacation home. (laughs) Um, Okay, so then Marcus Aurelius, book four, continuing on. He says, patience is a part of justice. And then, um, I guess I was just bullet pointing this. But yeah, patience is a part of justice. And then also stemming off of that idea, men do wrong involuntarily. Sometimes. Um, and this is like a thought that like I definitely came across when reading like Plato. Yeah, it was Plato for my Gov Six class. But it's the idea that like oh no 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 no, it wasn't Plato, it was Aquinas, I think, yeah. Um, because he's talking about like the origins of law. But he's saying that like if every man walking around has re has mind, right? Everyone's got a brain, then that must mean that everyone has reason. And if everyone has reason then, like, the motivation for doing something is to accomplish some good, right? And so where we get, like, the, I guess, the, the separation, the distinction between, like, good and evil is the way that people implement the good that they want to accomplish in their mind. Um, and so, like, the idea that, like, men do bad things involuntarily um, because they used reason to... I guess, get to that point in their life where they're doing something wrong, right? They reasoned, they rationalized it. And then the motivation behind their reason is always to accomplish some good. However, like the derivation from good occurs when like your implementation is wrong. And so that's the idea that like men will do wrong involuntarily. I don't know if that like is meant to excuse every crime ever. I think people should definitely be held accountable for their actions. But I think it's more so meant to like, contextualize um yeah just like contextualize and maybe like encourage more empathy for like your fellow human and know that like they had good or give them the benefit of the doubt and like assume that they had good intentions um Thomas Hobbes could never okay yeah so anyways uh I also wrote Marcus Aurelius hates social climbers um so one of his quotes was Look at the swiftness of the oblivion of all men, the gulf of endless time, the hollowness of applause, the fickleness and folly of all those who praise you. The entire earth is a point in space, and how small a corner that is of your dwelling. Um, I don't know why I interpreted that as hating social climbers. I mean, I guess just the idea that, like, you know, a social climber tries to, like, network and establish all these relationships that they think will be beneficial in the future to them and I guess just this idea that like no we are just like this tiny little fragment this point in space and that like there is so much like variation and like he says fickleness and folly in the way that people will talk to you and so just like recognizing that like everything is subject to change and so there's no point in like letting your one defining factor or like your motivation be to like scale the social ladder because ultimately the ladder is unstable and it will fall and when it falls you'll fall with it honestly maybe I'm I'm extending Marcus Aurelius way too much that is probably not what he was saying at all um okay I thought this was such a good quote and I think as most people in the age of the internet what do you do when you get a good quote will you make it your Instagram bio? Um, so I made it my Instagram bio. However, I cut it short because I didn't want to look pretentious. Um, but um, the quote is, the universe has changed. Life is opinion. Um, I cut out the universe has changed because like I said, it's like very commonly said and like just accepted. But I think the the funny part of that is like life is opinion. Okay. I don't know. I, do I have time to go on a tangent? We are like on book four, but like book four, I have a lot of notes. It's fine. I'll go on the tangent. My favorite, favorite ever song in the history of ever probably is Paper Bag by uh, Fiona Apple. And basically the song is about um, pursuing this guy and you're chasing after him and you she wants this connection with him that like, he just doesn't seem to understand or even he doesn't reciprocate it one to begin with, but two, she kind of feels that he can't understand it. And so um, I'm going to look up the lyrics cause I really want to get this right. Uh, paper bag, an apple. Ah, okay. Lyrics. Okay. Um, so she talks about like how she really wants to kiss him and then he like just kind of rejects her. And then um he says I guess like at this point he's realized that like Fiona is delusional and so he says, It's all in your head. And then this is how the lyric goes. Uh quote, he said, It's all in your head, and I said, So is everything, but he didn't get it. I thought he was a man, but he was just a little boy. End quote. Okay, so the idea that like it's all in your head and then she's saying yeah but so is everything and i guess it's like what is reality right um you can lie and if you're convincing enough about that lie then it will become reality in someone else's mind and so i could sit here on air and say that like for breakfast i had frosted flakes that's a lie i did not have (laughs) breakfast actually i did i had i had matcha Or did I? Or is that one the lie? Um, But it's basically like you can implant reality and just make it real. And so because it's so easy to falsify reality, then the falseness becomes the reality itself. And so that's what she's saying when she says, like, I said so is everything, but he didn't get it. Um, So just the idea that, like, reality is subject to, like, manipulation, and you can manipulate it. It just depends on, I guess, how, like, effective you are. But anyways, yeah, that that reminds me a lot of the tail end of the Marcus Aurelius quote, the universe has changed, life is opinion. Because opinions, many of mine, are unfounded, and I can't, I mean, I can back them up, but, like, I could lie just as easily when I'm backing them up, right? And so the idea that, like, things that are so centered in reality, right? Like research, it's empirical, you're looking at things. But I guess like the end goal of research, right, is to present some sort of paper and present present some sort of finding and present some sort of argument about that finding. And then the argument becomes opinion. And so the idea that like, how how do you combine everything that is part of the universe well it's just life you know that is your experience that is your medium to connecting to reality life that's all we have and so the way that like Marcus Aurelius just kind of like waves it off as like life is opinion um I think is such a good way to think about things because it it doesn't make you cavalier like it doesn't you know mean that you don't care about things it just means that you can't take anything too seriously because you know that it's opinion and you know that it's bias and you know that like you can manipulate it especially in your favor right and so back to like the of palooza thing like i'm not saying <laughs> it sounds so cringe i'm not saying like i hacked reality um but i i just kind of like self-deception man like delude yourself make your reality what you want it to be i sound like some crystal like tiktok person um But it's okay, because I'm talking about Fiona Apple and Marcus Aurelius, and those are very serious academics and me. Yes. Okay, so, yeah, I just, I thought that was such a good quote. Life is opinion. If you catch me saying that every day of my life, then this is where I got it from. Okay, life is opinion. Um, And then he says, like, all that comes to pass comes to pass with justice. And I guess it's, like, the idea, or... Honestly, Thomas Aquinas talked about this too. Um, but the idea that like there is eternal law and that law is enforced by God, and so even if justice is not brought about in your lifetime, at some point in like the history of humanity, people will like pay for their crimes in a way that like is just. Um, so yeah, all that all that comes to pass comes to pass with justice. But also, I think that's just coping. I think the universe does not have a weight balance. I don't think, you know, um, someone is hiding in the bushes to like seek out vengeance for someone who stole your lunch money in third grade. Like I think most things come to pass without justice. I don't think justice has maybe ever been served because it's so life is opinion. It's so life is opinion. I'm going to make that an adjective. Um, So yeah, I think I would probably debate Mr. Marcus Aurelius on the all that comes to pass comes to pass with justice. I think I probably don't agree with that. Um, okay, yeah, he talks about a beggar. Oh, okay, Marcus Aurelius, essentially, he was dissing all of us uh, in this next part, because he says that, like, he gives a definition for a beggar. and He says a beggar is someone who needs another. Um, he has not what is necessary in himself. And so Like the way that I personally talk about my best friend, I call her my better half, my other half. And like, even in romance, like you'll see that a lot. Like you'll say, oh, so-and-so completes me. My husband completes me or whatever, right? And um, Marcus Aurelius, like if he heard anyone's vows, he would be like, you're a beggar. Yeah, (laughs) Um, because he thinks that you shouldn't be reliant on anyone or anything. Um, He thinks that, you know, everything that's necessary for happiness and for life should be found within yourself. Um, and so, yeah, Marcus Aurelius hates weddings. That's my opinion. Unfounded, like everything else. Um, okay, yeah. And then he gives, um, I thought this was like a cool quote. He basically gives examples of the different fragments of life. And so this is what he says. He says, quote, men marrying, bringing up children, falling ill, fighting, feasting, trading, farming, have uh, having Pattering, Laddering? I don't know what that says. My handwriting is really bad. Okay, I messed the quote up. Okay, men marrying, bringing up children, falling ill, fighting, feasting, trading, farming, asserting themselves, suspecting, plotting, praying for another's death, lusting, setting their hearts on offices and throats. And those are like the different fragments of life for Marcus Aurelius. Um, And then after he like paints this picture of what life is, and by the way, I think this is such like it's such a good depiction of what life is, like the whole falling ill, having bringing up children, maybe not the farming necessarily. I mean I did I did garden for a brief stint, so maybe that works. I need to pick up farming. Marcus Aurelius doesn't think I've lived a full life until I farmed. Um, but yeah, like the feasting it kind of goes with like all the moments in your life where you've been celebrating also like asserting yourself, right? And so you think about your most brave moments in your life. I just, it's such a good way to like culminate what life is. Um, But then after he paints this, like in what what is, in my opinion, a beautiful picture of life, he goes on to say, now that life of theirs is no more and nowhere. Ouch. (laughs) Marcus Aurelius simply said, you do not matter. Um, But I guess like, you can read that one of two ways you know you could read that as in like why bother why try it's not going to matter in the long term anyways or you can read that as like something to embolden you to be more free to be more brave to be more confident in your life because this little life that you lead this little tiny corner of earth that you inhabit it's only going to matter for like the next not even the next century like i don't think anyone or me listening is going to live to like a century. And so it's not going to matter that far out in like the grand scheme of things, which is why you should take it for all that it is while you have it. Oh my gosh, this is the world's first self-help book. Um, Okay, yeah. And so I wrote life is a culmination of moments. I don't. Oh, yeah. So the way that like he broke down life, right, bringing up children, feasting, farming, plotting. I thought about like, if we were to break that down um, the way that we have lived our lives. And so it'd be like waking up, making coffee, scrolling on Instagram, scrolling on TikTok, scrolling on Facebook. And I just, I think that is such a sad way that like we've transitioned um, to the way that we like spend our waking moments. And I just, I thought about how awful it would be if like you got to see a playback of your life and then it showed you like how many hours you spent scrolling on Instagram mindlessly like can you imagine being told that like two years of your life just like was spent um scroll okay two years is probably too much but like maybe like well no because if you're thinking about your whole life and presumably Instagram will be around for a while so maybe like being told that you spent like eight consecutive months of your life scrolling that would be so heartbreaking okay yeah um Oh, yeah, and then he talks about, like, the greats and who were the greats for him and how, like, their life is no more. So he talks about Cato, Augustus, Hadrian, of Hadrian's Wall Fame. Shout out to Mr. Brown. Um, Okay, yeah, and then another quote. For all things quickly fade and turn to fable. Oh, I guess that wasn't, like, Marcus Aurelius dissing Augustus or Cato or Hadrian. He's just kind of saying that, like, reality hacking hello life is opinion like how do you know that hadrian's wall happened i mean fair there are artifacts but um have i seen them no i just have to take like hadrian's wall as fact right and so um even what is reality eventually like becomes fable and so reality hacking part two like um oh what is her name marie antoinette like when she's guillotined and like um you know, her famous quote is, like, let them eat cake, but, like, reality hacking, the woman never said that, but life is opinion, and because some little journalist and, like, uh, re- rebelling France decided to say that she said that, suddenly, like, it's accepted, and it's probably in history books, when in reality, like, Marie Antoinette was just, like, this little respectful woman in, like, her big rococo garb. Um, I think when, yeah, when she died, she, like, apologized, or before she died, she, like, pushed into, like, the guy who was gonna guillotine her or something, but she said, excuse me, and she, like, apologized, and, you know, that that's the reality of who she was, but because life is opinion, like, Marie Antoinette's life gets turned into fable, um, okay, yeah, he says, obil- utter oblivion covers them like sand, oh, <laughs> I wrote, like, a dumb joke, I wrote, like, okay, mister, I fear oblivion, fault in our stars, Augustus Waters moment, um, but yeah, oblivion such so like a huge thing, and then like to put it in the same sentence as sand, like a tiny little grain of sand, I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, and he says to constantly think of the universe as one living creature, and just like appreciate its wonderful texture, um, and. I don't know, I I wrote, maybe this is a little unhinged. It was pretty late when I was reading this. But like to think of the universe as a living creature, I thought that it would probably maybe lead to less war, right? Because I mean, you don't want to like hurt the creature, you want to, you know, preserve the Amazon, you want to keep our glaciers around, you don't want to destroy the little polar bears um, habitat. And so I think there be less war, less of an incentive to like do harm to others because the universe is a creature and we want to keep her around. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just, that was an interesting thought. Oh, and then he wrote, <clears throat> uh, Marcus Aurelius says, you are a spirit bearing the weight of a dead body. But I think this was him quoting some other philosopher. Um, but yeah, uh, I've talked about Topia a few times uh, on meditations, but she has a tattoo. The girl, uh, she's one of the co-hosts, Eliza uh, McGlam, and she has a quote, uh, or no, a tattoo, and it says skin suit on her right, and it's about how, like, everything is ephemeral and, like, it will come to pass. And so the only thing that, I guess, exhibits any sort of longevity is your spirit. It's who you are, because... Like you're bearing the weight of a dead body, like what your body looked like, how many calories were in it, how much energy, how much you weighed, like anything that has to do with your body. It's dead from one day to the next because your body is constantly transitioning. And so you really are a spirit bearing the weight of a dead body. Um, yeah, that was a good quote. And then I, or he wrote, uh, time is a violent torrent for no sooner is each seen than it has been carried away. And I think when I read that, I just thought about my little brother. I have a friend named Georgia, and she has a little brother, too. He was born around when she was in fifth grade. Yeah, he was in fifth. She was in fifth grade? Question mark? No, no, no. She was younger. She was in third grade. Sabari, my best friend, her little brother was born when she was in fifth grade. Um, But yeah, just like the idea that like time is so violent, it takes away like, the little baby chubby cheeks of a little brother. Like, when I come home, I feel scared that, like, my little brother's gonna be tall. He's he's just four years old. Like, the violent torrent has not taken him yet. But I just, it's so scary to think that, like, one day, my little brother will, like, be writing his first essay. Or, like, he'll have his first, like, sports game. And you know, he's growing up and he's going to have all these experiences and he's not always going to be this little boy that I can pick up and like I can just toss around and hug and I don't know, it just, it makes me so sad. I mean, there is definitely, you know, something beautiful and blooming about like coming of age, but I think there's also a lot of loss associated with it. And so Marcus Aurelia saying time is a violent torrent. Like, yeah, I agree. I'm so sad that like my little brother's growing up so fast. Um, Okay, he wrote, quote, lucky I am, though this befalls me. I continue free from sorrow, neither crushed by, uh, nor torn, nor fearing what is to come. Okay, yeah, so basically this was Marcus Aurelius advising you on how to take hardship in your life. And then I just, I found it so obnoxious, <laughs> me calling a Roman emperor obnoxious. But he says, lucky, like he's calling himself lucky for like burdens, you know, befalling him. And he says that, like, I'm not going to carry sorrow. I'm not going to be upset by this. And like, bestie Marcus Aurelius, that's probably because you always knew that you would have a roof over your head. That's probably because you always knew where your next meal was going to come from. Like, I don't think people who have home or who are homeless, I don't think people who don't know where their next meal is going to come from. I don't think that these people are like, damn, I am lucky as heck that I had this misfortune befall me. So I think Marcus Aurelius, like the the misfortunes that could befall someone then like, oh, shit, my crops didn't grow as well as I thought they would. I guess we're going to have to like, you know, we're going to have to, I don't know, drink less milk or something or we can afford less food. But nonetheless, we can afford food. Just like his misfortunes are a lot different than like the misfortunes that we experience today. Um, ah, I had another section, maybe. I'm so nervous that we would run out of time. Okay, so finally on to book five and like the last six minutes of meditations, Um, Oh, I wrote Marcus Aurelius hates self-care. Um, so this was such an interesting passage. This one I think is definitely a hot take, especially in today's climate. Um, so basically Marcus Aurelius is saying, you just can't lie in bed all day Um, like the birds, bees and plants, you must adjust to the world, or you must adjust the world, right? And so like, this is back to the idea of like, everyone has reason and everyone has motivations and everyone seeks to do some good in the world. And so he says that, like, you just can't lie in bed all day because you're not accomplishing the purpose that you were set out to do. And so there's a lot of gendered, I guess, talk here, but I, I think it definitely applies to like all people. But he says, you have a man's duty to perform. It is what you were fashioned for. And so just like the idea that like you do have like, like a bird, like a bee, like a plant, like you have some purpose, you have some set amount of good that you are set on this earth to do. And then he says rest, right? So like lying in bed, doing a face mask, even meditating, all of that self care stuff. Well, like eating and drinking, it has its limits. You can have excess and it can lead to like gluttony. And if you rest excessively, if you perform self-care excessively, he basically says you don't love yourself. And so like that kind of contradicts the whole idea of like self-care, right? Because self-care goes hand in hand with self-love. But he says that if you have an excess of self-care, then you don't love yourself. And that's because if you really loved yourself, then you would love the your purpose you would love your duties you would love your responsibilities because all of those things are part of your nature and if it's part of you then it belongs to like it belongs to you and so if you don't love the things that are your responsibilities then you don't love yourself which is why in order to love yourself you can't do too much self care i guess like self-care and like the capitalist like traditional sense of like go do a face mask and like meditate or something um yeah okay another point he says um a bee makes honey a horse runs a hound tracks a man does good and so the thing that like makes all of these things similar is like you couldn't ask a bee why it does the things it does or a or a horse why it runs and so basically marcus Aurelius says you can't ask a man why he does good again, gendered speak, but, like, it applies to everyone, um, and he says that, like, men do good, but they don't know how they've done it, they just know that they've done it, because it's part of their inherent nature, um, okay, yeah, uh, he has another quote that says, like, the soul is died by its imaginations, and I just thought about Marcus Aurelius making a TikTok, and, like, talking about the law of attraction, because that's essentially what it is, um, And then nothing befalls you that you are not prepared to bear. And like, yeah, that's a comforting thought that like, you know, someone has to like live out this misfortune and you're just the person best equipped for it. But also, I think it's condescending because, hello, we have like so many impending humanitarian crises. Like, are you really going to tell the people living in internment camps like, oh, you are just nothing befalls you that you're not prepared to bear like you were prepared to bear living in an intern- internment camp oh you were prepared to bear that earthquake in 2008 haiti like you can't just tell people that like i think at some point you have to like stop okay i do believe in reality hacking however i think that there's a big difference between that and like deluding yourself no there's not they're the exact same thing i think like most things, you can do it in excess. And so I think telling people, oh, you were prepared to bear this hardship, or oh, no, you're lucky because this misfortune befell you. Like, I think it's incredibly condescending. And I think it stands in the way of progress. And I think Marcus Aurelius is not equipped to handle the humanitarian crisis. Um, So he might have been a good emperor then. But I think modern times call for like someone who has a little more empathy, someone who isn't so go with the flow, someone who like will take matters into their own hands. But I guess Marcus Aurelius would probably support that person, right? Because they are performing their task, their function, they're trying to create some good in the world. Um, Okay, yeah, we've reached pretty much our hour mark. Uh, That was my big rundown of Marcus Aurelius's meditations, book one through book five. Um, I hope you guys had fun. And yeah, that's it. Uh, I'll see you next time on episode five.